The views and opinions expressed on the LM Radio Network solely belong to those who make them and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the LM Radio Network or our affiliates and advertisers. Blinded me by science. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, some Thomas Dolby, bro. Yeah. yeah, I figured since Thomas is a regular here now. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd, uh, yeah, we'd we'd like to refer to him as a friend of the show, <clears throat> but it's better to say he's probably the best friend of the show, you know, <laughs> since he's on with us a lot, <laughs> which is a great thing. Poor yeah. sorry souls. <laughs> well, we love it, man. Always good to have you with us. And for those of you uh, just joining us, and, and we welcome you, of course, to Supernatural Hour with the great Tim Roxbury hosting. This is your co-host, Chip Reichenthal. And to introduce our honored guest, um, I think this is the, the third Wednesday in a row we've had the good fortune of having Thomas Fusco with us. Uh, now, Thomas has authored probably one of the best books you'll ever read in your life. Uh, if you're interested in science, religion, the paranormal, uh, space, and and the universe, and uh, something that brings all those things together in a way that makes super sense and is still ahead of its time, even here in 2018, and it's called Behind the Cosmic Veil. Uh, and you can take a look at that book while you're listening, if you like, at CosmicVeil.com. Actually, that's a, a great place to look at and buy the book because it's offered as in sale price there. And it's probably better than any other site you'll find it on, but it's also available on Amazon. We wanted to let you know that. And I'm going to actually uh, say hi to Timmy. Hey, Chipster. Have- <laughs> how you doing, man? Timmy and Tommy. Oh, <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back, baby. <laughs> Yes, in the in the words of Thomas Fusco, we're back, baby. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. How was your day, Tim? Oh, it was great. I got my nephew off to uh, his ride to the bus terminal, and uh, he should be on his way to New York City, if not there by now. If not there by now, yeah. yeah. And, uh, boy, I hope he got there nice and safe, you know. Uh, a big week for him. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, I don't think that you, uh, the computer issues between you and me will hold up anymore, even though the Mercury Retrograde is still with us for the better part of the next week. Mm. It finally ends on the 4th, which is uh, next Tuesday. Yep. So by the time we're on again, it will be done. And, uh, you know, 
That's yeah. where, you know, communications and things with computers <clears throat> and things like that are known to go awry, you know. Yeah, and actually... sometimes it's just a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah, it sure is, man. Yeah, and that from the kindest guy, you know, <laughs> the kindest guy. Saying, no, not a, but... the kindest. Yeah, I know. I, I see a lot of people writing about this particular <laughs> uh, Mercury retrograde, and they're saying this is this is the 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 best one we'll have this year. You know. <laughs> Yeah. It's like the, that's like well I've got really bad breath but it's not as bad as it's been you know <laughs> I mean how do you define you know not as bad as the other ones uh, Yeah <clears throat> you know, it, it depends on what they mean <clears throat> by best too. Yeah yeah, right. <laughs> yeah they could be maniacal themselves those writing about that you know and again this from the kindness guy Yeah you know I it, look I I like I do I like the astrology you know, uh, I, I have a lot of friends that are in that field, uh, but I, I don't like things like Mercury retrograde that are set up to let you know that things are going to go wrong for a period of time because that will focus people on everything that goes wrong. Mm. You know, I like it when they inspire you ah. and say, this is what's going to be magical about the next week or two. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, at least people will have hope, you know. Yeah. I was Chip. I was saying something to my nephew today, and I was use, using your analogy: tomato, tomato, and still the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he just got he got kicked out of that. <laughs> oh yeah, that was from from last night. Yeah, I guess uh, John E. Olson with his book *Stranger Bridgerland*. It's can it can be Bridgerland or Bridgerland, you know? <laughs> right. So it's you know tomato, tomato. <laughs> I said Bridger Land only to make it easier to, for people to spell, you know, yeah. so they could find the website and stuff. So I didn't have to go letter by letter because yeah. that takes up a lot of time. Speaking um, of time, magical time, Timmy, because yeah. our good friend Thomas Fusco is joining us again. We are back, baby. <laughs> I'm back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> See that? Yep. Thomas, you had posted on Facebook that uh, we were going to talk about the um, imagination. Uh, yes, this was uh, 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 someone who uh, I believe that I became acquainted with at one of the uh, symposiums. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I, uh, you know, uh, spoke at. Uh, uh, she had uh, posted a question on Facebook the other day. Cool, and uh, because she's uh, she's interested in my work, and, mm. and you know she's very much interested into you know the alternative thinking, uh, and uh, it kind of inspired me. I said, you know what? I thought that this subject was something that uh, you know, Timmy, you and I have have hit, hit out on it from time to time mm. in previous conversations, maybe as early as that uh, other radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> yeah. Seems like almost ancient history, man. Uh, yes, uh, but I thought that it might be a good idea uh, to talk about um, some things that have to do with uh, parapsychology, mm -hmm. uh, with the actual nature of the human brain. Okay. Oh, very cool. And uh, some of the the you know the. Distinct and unusual characteristics of it. Wow. Um, and you mentioned I, something about imagination? Oh, absolutely. 
Okay. I just wanted to say very briefly before you start, because I am so enticed with where you're going with this, that because Neptune is direct, speaking of astrology, it, it, uh, it brings to light things like people's imaginations and creativity and things of that nature. One of those magical things about it rather than the things that can go wrong, you know. Mm. I'll shut up now, Tommy. It's all yours, buddy. Oh, man, that's okay. Look, um, uh, one of the uh, one of the important, I, I, I would say probably the cornerstone or the capstone uh, concept uh, that has grown out of my work is the idea that, uh, and you folks know, I have a, I have this kind of one sentence description for the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the universe is an expression of materialized and materializing information. Um, established science, established physics would uh, would be okay with the first half of that statement. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't like the idea of materializing information. <laughs> uh, because that means the process is still going on and it just simply makes their job that much harder. <laughs> Um, but you know, this is an important concept and, um, fundamental to it is the concept of information. And we've talked about this a number of times before, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's very important because what I found, uh, over lots of pouring over this information and, uh, or this material and this subject for, as you guys know, well over 30 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I came to that statement that the universe is an expression of materialized and materializing information is that it seems to be, at least from a philosophical perspective, the fundamental truth about the universe. You can make many statements about physical reality, um, whether it be philosophical or spiritual or scientific. But I have found no single statement under which everything else falls under. Mm. Uh, Any aspect that you can think of about the universe will fall under this definition. It'll fall under this heading. Uh, There's actually nothing higher than it. And everything else that I think about and and people talk about... uh, emerge from this idea, this statement. So they're all kind of underneath of it. And again, fundamental to this is the concept of information, mm-hmm. which over the uh, last several decades, uh, science has uh, really firmly established what it understands as universal uh, information. Uh, science oftentimes uses words that we use in common language, but they use it in a slightly different meaning, Mm -hmm. a little bit of a different uh, uh, inflection to it, so to speak, or or a different shade. And with information, it is actually the instructions, the blueprint, if you will, from which mass and energy is assembled. Even the geometry of space-time itself is an expression of materialized information. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
we now know that that set of information, whatever it is, is at work throughout the universe because we know the physical laws uh, that we see local in our own space. We now know that those same physical laws work everywhere in the universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was uh, a kid, they weren't too sure about that. They thought that maybe in different parts of the universe, the laws of physics might be a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we pretty much have it established uh, because uh, we can look out into the outer reaches of the universe as far as we can observe. Mm-hmm. And uh, through spectral analysis, we can get an extremely good idea of how far, how distant those, those objects are. What their composition is, chemical composition, uh, what direction they're moving, and at what velocity that they're moving. The only way, guys, that this could be done is if the mathematics that work locally here Mm -hmm. also is the same set of mathematics that works out there. Right. And Except for black holes, it seems to apply. I, I have this question that's been nagging at me, and especially since we're talking about information. It was something that they sent out into space a while back that uh, would show any uh, intelligent species, if there were any out there, um, you know, properties of our DNA, what we look like in male and female form, and especially some mathematical uh, numbers, uh, codes, and, and binary codes. Yeah, that Carl Sagan yo-yo. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. The, the, I wanted to ask about binary I mean, codes of all things because, look, I like to think I'm a smart guy, but I don't know binary codes from Adam, you know. So it, it's hard enough thinking that uh, if something has a whole different kind of form or, or uh, manner of thinking or speaking or whatever, you know, uh, that these guys would seem to think that they would automatically understand binary codes, and maybe they would, but Absolutely. I don't. So is, do you think this binary code thing would be part of that? Uh, well, yes, it is part of uh, universal information. Uh, uh, just like the physical laws that govern the universe are also uh, an emergent of that body of information, that blueprint of the universe, if you will. Uh, Binary is very simple. It is actually the most simplest language uh, that anyone could uh, derive. Based on... I was honors English and I can't speak binary. That's why I asked. Well, yeah, when we speak about languages, again, scientifically speaking, a language is just a, a form... Uh, by which information can be conveyed from one location to another. Okay. So, uh, in the simplest of language, the simplest function in the universe is on or off. Oh. Yes. That's what the zeros and the ones represent? Exactly. Zero means not, one means ought. Hmm. Huh. You know, zero means off, one means on. Zero means down, one means up. Well, the universe just expanded because my intelligence just went up. So I thank you for that. Well, there you go. And it doesn't require any spoken language. It doesn't require a vocabulary. 
that many things in the universe, well, are computers. Everything is binary in a computer. Yeah. Uh, but it took it us is, an awful long time to get there, didn't it? Or do you mm, think that there was, uh, like ancient, like back in like um, 500 BC when you had like Pythagoras and, and folks yeah. like that, do you think there was any kind of ancient language or understanding that was similar? Absolutely. The, the concept of binaries goes back a very, very, very long time. Very long time. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's basically what we would call a base two. Oh, Okay. As opposed to our normal uh, numerical system that we work with, which is a base 10. Mm-hmm. So you have 0 through 9, that's your 10 digits. Mm-hmm. When you start at the next set, you start with a 0, mm-hmm. but you have a 1 in the front to show that you are on, that you've already covered the first set of, bi- of, of numbers. Oh, okay. Right. So, you know, Zero through nine is one set. Ten, we write as one zero, which means that we have one set already on the table. Mm-hmm. And the zero represents the start of the second set. Oh, okay. And it's kind of funny that we use these numbers all the time, and there's a lot of uh, folks that aren't familiar with what this system is, the decimal system. What's it mean? Uh, how is it derived? And it was really revolutionary. I mean, you think about what the what the Romans did with the Roman numerals mm-hmm. or cuneiform, mm-hmm. and how awkward the numbers were. Right. And the Arabic uh, numeral system is is what really, you know, uh, made mathematics. Uh, we were able to do things with mathematics with it that we weren't before. Uh, mm-hmm. Roman numeral system and cuneiform system really doesn't much have an expression for zero. Oh, you know. Uh, so anyway, um, oh, so that's that. the idea of the of the binary, um, and everything that you see on your computer screen is all an expression of binaries. Uh, there, each each particular uh, pixel on your computer monitor has a unique binary address, hmm. and the um, uh, the color that it expresses in is also part of the binary code for that particular coordinate on your screen. Wow. So that's how it works. I mean, that's a computer lesson. Well, and, still, I appreciate it, you know, because I was wondering, you know, of, of all the information, you know, I mean, one plus one equals two, you know, anyone could understand. And they're sending this out to uh, beings that they think, uh, you know, is something anyone can understand, and you put it in terms now that I can understand. So I appreciate yeah, they'll they'll know what it is, Chip. Okay, if they can if they can figure out the uh, um, the symbols that it's written in, uh, and there's only going to be two of them, they will very quickly understand that the reason why the language in which the statement is being written only has two letters. It only has two characters. They will quickly understand that we're, we're it's something that's being expressed in a binary code. Cool. Uh, they literally could not find this object out in space unless they understood binaries. Okay. All right. Yeah, there was a there was actually a, a crop circle, at, uh, some like maybe ten or twelve years ago, that appeared that seemed to be an answer to that. 
and it also had binary code information and it had d DNA code information that was uh, a little bit different than ours. Uh, it had, you know, male and female uh, figures that were a bit different than ours and kind of almost uh, seemed to paint those those grays that we always hear about. But it was just kind of cool to see that. <laughs> you must be feeling good tonight, Joe. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just, you know, I, I understand binary, you know. It's that uh, red right. It's that and, red and, you know, where, where were we? What, was, what were we talking well, about? The universe is information. And it's all about the manifestation of uh, and manifesting of information. The materialization. Because manifestation has a, uh, uh, what, what do I want to use? It has that spiritual kind of new age mm -hmm. uh, type of uh, um, connotation to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or religious kind of connotation. Okay. And you know me, I'm tr I try to stick to science as best I can. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges why we have not been able to uh, happily marry science and faith or the supernatural more readily is that neither one is willing to use the other set of terminology. Uh, so I find that uh, scientific terminology works quite well uh, in expressing uh, many aspects of both disciplines. So uh, we're talking about materialization. That is something quite literally made material. Okay. You know, something that wasn't material and made into material. Uh, just like the beginning of the universe, uh, the Big Bang, which it all relates back to mm -hmm. uh, in, in a very fundamental way, not just in that's where everything started, but the way that it started, the way that that came into being, the mechanism, the mechanics behind it is fundamental to everything that's happening in the universe today uh, and throughout the universe's history. So, here we have a non-physical uh, collection of information. Call it what you will. You know, the Christians call it logos, the word. Um, we have different names for it. Uh, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. It's in my book. Uh, um, David Bohm, the physicist David Bohm, called it implicate order. Mm -hmm. um, the... Uh, um, who was it? Aristotle, I think, called it forms. And so it has names going back a long time. The concept is the same. But that information, whatever it is, uh, became material through the process of the universe coming into being. It actually materialized in a physical reality. So this is fundamental to not only our understanding of what is the universe how does the universe work and function but it also allows us to understand certain things in the supernatural realm what did i just say <laughs> what did you just say the supernatural realm yeah, 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 yeah. i heard that before i don't yeah, know I boy that, that sounds so from. familiar it's on the tip of my tongue timmy so yeah, that sounds familiar to you. Yeah, Supernatural so. realm. I mean, there's something about that that just rings for some reason. Yeah. So this is certainly uh, the 
conversation to have on this particular show. <laughs> Thomas. Uh, Thomas, and, and it does it does lead into, you know, something parapsychological as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. And and I want to talk about that in greater detail. Like I said before, Tim, you and I, we've had a number of conversations where we've talked about this subject for, you know, a handful of minutes, mm -hmm. uh, touching upon it. But uh, I really wanted to get into detail because uh, I want to have the listeners um, acquire, develop a whole new way of looking at themselves mm -hmm. and the world around them in a way to where spirituality, religion, supernatural, and science merges into one thing where mm -hmm. There are no differences. They become indistinct from one another. Right. Um, and if we're, uh, science is ever going to come up with a theory of everything, uh, they're going to have to come up with some sort of a concept that is indistinguishable, mm -hmm. that there are no lines between various aspects of the universe, right. that everything is one thing. Mm -hmm. they, need to, they need to embrace your book. That's what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. It's a start. Yeah. It's a start. I would love uh, uh, for uh, these great minds, and there are many of them out there, mm -hmm. to take this fundamental uh, concept and develop it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can find it on CosmicVeil.com, the book. That's, that's Behind right. Behind the Cosmic Veil. That's right. Uh, substantial penalty for early withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, so let's talk for a moment about paranormal phenomena. <clears throat> Just for a moment. Sure. If we really think on the emergence, as David Roundtree would call it, mm -hmm. uh, he was very fond of trying to emphasize to people that these events come from an emergence point. Right. Uh, there's a specific location in local space-time, a specific coordinate, coordinate from which these events and observations emerge. But when they emerge, now what, what do we see? What's going on? If we see a full-body apparition, for example, what makes it paranormal is that there's no local physical source mm -hmm. for the image uh, you know if we saw somebody walking through a room and we knew it was a physical body well we know we would be seeing the light that's either em emanating uh, or reflecting off of that physical object mm -hmm. you know that's normal but if there's no physical body and yet we still see an image right that's paranormal mm-hmm because the cause is not local. Now, what are we seeing? We are seeing a collection of information. If um, uh, an investigator uh, goes to a library and researches the past of a particular location where people are reporting that they're seeing an image of this particular woman, an apparition, for example. Mm -hmm. And they find an instance where they say, well, 100 years ago, this uh, particular woman 
suffered or died in this location or lived there or, or something like that. And they bring a photograph. They have a photograph and they bring it to the occupants of the home and they show it to them and their jaws drop and say, hey, that's the person we've been seeing. Yeah. That means the information in the apparition is the same information that was recorded on that photograph. Mm-hmm. See, guys, how this and you, you, you folks, both of you guys are have been involved in the paranormal field. Right. Do you see how this idea of information lifts a veil? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that's yeah, that's a big uh, phrase for us here. But but it also begs the question. You're talking about something very important, especially with all the uh, paranormal that we talk about. But you're talking about non-locality, and I'd, I'd like for you to expand upon that. But also, um, if you think there's any possibility at all, because we're talking about space-time, which is basically a fabric in itself, or a geometric, yes. uh, a geometric fabric. Brickwork, scaffolding, yes. Yeah, that, that could uh, potentially be some sort of space-time warp, uh, where they would bring this non-locality to locality, or is it uh, super geometry that does that? Well, we've talked about that before, how... The information uh, materializes. What's the process? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we see? We see an expanding bubble of space-time in which information materializes. Um, specifically, though, I want to stick with just the simple idea of the universe being an expression of materialized and materializing information. Mm-hmm. And take a look at paranormal phenomena for a moment as we're doing as an example as an observational example of information that is not physically local materializing in local space mm-hmm. because an apparition if, if, if you compare if you show a person who's been seeing the same apparition a hundred year old photo and they tell you yes that's the same person. That means the same information that is recorded on that photograph is materializing in that person's house. It's actually spontaneously materializing. Mm-hmm. And we know that the source is not physical because the woman's been dead and rotted in her grave for 100 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. So the source of the information which created the photograph, the image on the photograph, is no longer present on the face of the earth. And yet that information is still being materialized in a recognizable form. Mm -hmm. So this is an example of information materializing in the physical reality. According to supergeometric principles, supergeometric theory, Mm-hmm. It is the exact same mechanism that brought the entire universe into being. Right. So this is our unified theory. This is the idea that everything conforms to this statement, that the universe is an expression of materialized information. And then uh, phenomena like paranormal phenomena allows us to complete the sentence and say materializing information. Mm-hmm. Just like as the universe expands, 
more space-time is being generated. Right. And that's coming from somewhere. So, uh, now, how does that relate to the human brain? And uh, you guys know that I tend to stay away from the word mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I can. Uh, It's a convenient term but it's ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, you give uh, um, anybody a, a set of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, ask them what mind means to them, and you ask a hundred different people, you'll get a hundred slightly different answers. Yeah. yeah, it's an abstract. Yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah, it is kind of an abstract idea. Uh, it's certainly a representation of what's going on in the physical brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I could talk about the physical brain, not only anybody who is talking or thinking about mind would follow me easily. Okay, he's using the word brain. We understand what he means, though. <laughs> right. But a scientifically trained person who may be a physicist, who is in the study of everything that's physical, by the very definition of their title, they're a physicist. Mm -hmm. They study what's physical. Could look at that and say, oh, yeah, brain. (laughs) Yeah, brain is physical. Me understand brain. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) And look, I include myself in that, too. Trust me. Sometimes you could be so smart you're stupid. (laughs) I've heard that before. (laughs) You know? You know, spending uh, two days to fix an old piece of junk and say, look how smart I was. I got this to work. Right. When if yeah, they, you were really smart, you would have gone out somewhere and made enough money to pay some other poor sucker to do it. Yeah, or just bought yeah, There was a thing just yesterday on the Science uh, Channel Network where they uh, scientists have come across a, a new area of the brain, or at least a discovered area, a newly discovered area in within our brains that differentiate from animals. They didn't exactly explain what that was yet. But this no, is, <laughs> really? But, but yeah, but it kind of goes along. It adds a very uh, topical point to what you just said. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, and uh, this is one of the uh, concepts that I uh, uh, try to express and get people to understand, uh, all based, again, on this idea that the universe is an expression of materializing and materialized information. Mm-hmm. Information in the process of materializing and information that is fully materialized, fully realized, made real. We human beings do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We take information and we materialize it in physical reality. You know, every, every, every human being that is present here and everybody who is listening is surrounded by materializations of information that came from the brain. Uh, This is why I say that we have transcended Darwinism. Mm -hmm. Human beings do not apply to Darwinism very well because human beings transcend Darwinism. There's something within us that is actually made in the image of the same process that brought the universe into existence. Because we too, what we create is an expression of materialized and materializing information. Mm 
which is very cool because it's one of these ideas that starts tying everything together. Uh, and we can begin to see, get a glimpse of that everything is really just one thing. Uh, you know, to see that, you know, on a mountaintop in Tibet after, you know, meditating on your navel for 20 years <laughs> is one thing. To be able to see that, to experience it, to be able to describe it in detail and intelligently, uh, that's not something that's been done before. Mm -hmm. So it, we find this, this, this concept being a capstone, uh, like of a pyramid, where once you have the capstone, not only do you know the shape of the whole figure, but all the other stones fall into place. If you tried building from any other stone, you would not be able to build that pyramid because you wouldn't be able to conceive from any other stone how the entire edifice looks unless you were studying the capstone. Right. <clears throat> then everything falls into place. Uh, so, human beings have the same faculty that we're able to materialize information into its physical equivalent in, in the physical world. Now, what's interesting is that our brains are not the unique aspect of us that allows us to do that. There's another aspect that's very, very important. And people tend to overlook this. If we were under Darwinism, our species would have never survived. Because under evolution, under Darwinism, uh, creatures become more specialized, more developed to specifically uh, operate more effectively within their surrounding environment. So, you know, let's say in, in animals, we have predator and prey. Mm -hmm. uh, so the predators, you know have bigger teeth, they have big claws, they run very fast, they have all these characteristics. They have camouflage, uh, they actually have fur so they don't have to make fig leaves and, and clothing, <laughs> this kind of thing, um, you know, which is also part of, of being uh, perfectly adapted to their environment. And we have the prey animals that have all their own little specifics. But as we developed, we became less specific, less specialized. Right. Let's face it. If we were going to live in the trees, who has the advantage? The monkey with the prehensile tail or us with no tail at all? Probably the monkey. Yeah, the monkey got a better chance, man. Oh. You know, and all those animals per pound of muscle uh, mass are stronger than we are. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and their bodies are adapted to eat specific foods that are, uh, um, you know, that are in their diet that's local. Uh, you know, uh, herbivores have a tendency to have a lot of grinding teeth, a lot of molars. Uh, Carnivores have a lot of sharp teeth, and they have a tendency to point inward. 
our teeth are a mixture of both and they're straight up and down. That's not Darwinism. <laughs> That's a dead-end evolutionary path because we grew away mm-hmm. from being more specialized and more attuned to our environment to a degree, to a, uh, you know, to an extent that we were less well-equipped. I mean, what kind of animal is better to survive in the environment? Something with, with a thick leather skin and fur or with the stuff that we got mm-hmm. the naked ape you know that we have to clothe ourselves and wear shoes and that type of thing right. um, and our teeth are are less specialized uh, but one of the most important aspects what I'm trying to lead up to is the human hand See, because the human hand has a dexterity and it has a opposable thumb. Mm. There is no other creature on earth that has this kind of an appendage that can pick up a club, you know, and at the same time uh, solder a chip onto a circuit board. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you know, uh, present company not being addressed there. Gotcha, gotcha. We knew you had metal chip, but I didn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now this is why when people interview me, they can't have a normal conversation. Could you imagine having all this stuff swimming around in your head and be anywhere that resembles normal? <laughs> well, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not much for normal here anyway. So. No, I know, which is why I've found good company here. Yeah. Um, so our hands are co-evolutionary with our brains. As our brains became more and more capable of converting information into physical reality, our hands evolved according to that same model. So you see, our brains and our hands are required to be together. Mm -hmm. And in order for the hands to be free, we have to be bipedal. We have to walk on two feet. Mm -hmm. We can't walk on all fours. A creator cannot walk on all fours. Right. The creative faculty in us is part of our brain and our hands they're co-evolutionary if one was developed without the other it would be an evolutionary dead end and in fact would have no advantage whatsoever both of them have to be together now this leads us to a very mysterious thing that somehow the, the, the creative faculty that brought the universe into existence, that took information and converted it into physical, its physical equivalent in physical reality, somehow has the blueprint in it to co-form, to co-evolve the brain and the hands at the same time. In other words, there's too much going on for it to just be random chance. Right. See, the idea of random selection 
is just like saying what we talk about that all the primordial particles that were uh, create that that came into being at the beginning of the the universe had to try to assemble and disassemble and assemble and disassemble. So randomly, one day a photon came into existence, and then all photons after that were birthed by the mother photon. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, no scientist would agree with that. Everywhere in the universe, neutrinos and photons began to appear according to the same singular universal model. So if particles did not evolve, why would it be that we evolved? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. There's something missing. Now, we see the evidence of this trail of increasingly materialized information that is increasingly taking the form of the original pattern that gave rise to the universe. As we're watching that, we look at what it looks like, the picture of this, and we call it evolution. Mm -hmm. But there's more going on. You, You know, you even hear evolutionists talking about this subject, and they say, well... This creature formed this to do that. Right. And this creature developed this way to do that, and it accomplishes this thing. But yet they can't explain it. Yeah, the missing link. Mm -hmm. Out of their own mouth, they're describing intelligent design. Right. But they're not physically saying that. Yes. But when they describe the way creatures evolve Mm -hmm. and what their functions are... They speak of it as if there's an intelligence uh, uh, governing it. Right. That's not random. Hmm. And I would I would argue even randomness is a part of an order or a structure. Mm-hmm. Because anything that self assembles is assembling itself according to a pre existing uh, collection of information. Now, if we're intelligent. And we've talked about this before. If we're intelligent and we're a subsystem of the universe, that the universe gave birth to us, then our intelligence, too, must be an image of that pattern which brought the universe into being. Otherwise, we would have to say we gave birth to our mother. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is the place where angels and scientists fear to tread. Yeah. But as you guys know, this is very, very sound logic. Mm -hmm. And I can sit down with any scientist and debate this. And in most cases, I think I could come out with winner because I will come out with a stronger argument and that my model will answer more questions than theirs will. I think even an atheist would have to agree that there was some sort of intelligence behind it. Well, if they thought about it, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, uh, and this argument would certainly help lead them to that. Now, what is that intelligence? You know, I mean, we're we're actually we're talking about God, right? We're mm-hmm. talking about a creator. We're talking about what I mean, Einstein called the lawgiver. Yeah, intelligent mind. Yeah, 
Mm -hmm. And he called it lawgiver for the very reasons that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. The exact same image was in his mind. He said, if anybody that looks out on the universe and doesn't see an an, an inherent order, Mm -hmm. a higher order being expressed through it, basically said, you're blind. You're not opening your eyes. You can't see. Right. You know, uh, what he spoke about with the uh, radical atheists, Mm -hmm. the extreme atheists, he said that they are incapable of hearing the music of the spheres. Right. Mm-hmm. This is Einstein, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. This, this this guy is still a monster. Even Probably. today, 100 years later, you know? Yeah, right. They're still proving him correct. Yeah. He's know, still a later. giant among giants. But, you know, Einstein and evolution and... Uh, all the the all the random uh, uh, specters of of these ideas can still cannot really explain how we go from particles to atoms to molecules into something intelligent and and self uh, surviving. Yeah, we we just figure it has to be part of that equation, and someday uh-huh. we'll figure it out. You know, uh, but. Here, you know, of course, the problem we've talked about this before is that when you are stuck in a physical paradigm, like modern physics and modern science is, mm-hmm. that reality is only what is physical. Mm-hmm. You only got so many uh, uh, puzzle pieces in the box. <laughs> yeah, and you can't create a complete picture. You have to include that which is not physical. And then once you do that, you get the additional puzzle pieces that you need to start making sense out of everything. Thomas, uh, we, Thomas, we got a go question. Ahead. We got a question from Eric. It says he says so Eric, Eric Reisinger. Yes, Eric, what's going on, dude? <laughs> he uh, thirteen minutes ago he asked. So our minds create reality from moment to moment. Do we create reality from moment to moment? Yes, that was his question. Uh, In a microcosmic way, Mm -hmm. we do contribute to the nature of the reality around us. I mean, everywhere, you know, no matter who you are that's listening, us, you know, we were talking, whatever. Take a second look around you. Isn't everything you see part of physical reality? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Didn't we humans create this? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we create our own reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, I, uh, there's an aspect to this, which is psychological. And I'm not sure whether Eric is, is speaking of it in that vein or not. But one of the problems that we have as human beings that animals do not have is that we can actually act out in the real world something that we have in our mind that is not happening right now. Mm -hmm. So we can have, you know, kind of something that leads to what we call insanity. Mm Where we are acting out in the physical world based on images that we're generating in our own mind and not 
in reality, not in physical reality. Well, um, we at least have to credit Eric uh, for getting you to use the term mind twice. <laughs> yes, because I'm speaking of it in, in a more colloquial way. Uh, I want to speak about it in a way that is more human, more humanized, that people would understand it. Mm-hmm. You I know? just love irony is all. Yeah, there you go. And, 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 of course, when I'm talking about the theory of things, I want to use the physical brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wasn't addressing the answer to a theoretical physicist either. Right. Um, I mean, a perfect example, somebody driving down the street. And gets into a wreck because they were daydreaming. Mm-hmm. They were focused on what was going on in their mind rather than what was going on outside. Mm-hmm. And human beings are unique in that in that potential to act upon inner reality uh, while they are in an entirely different outer reality. Yeah. Kind of like what happened at my mom's house the other day. What happened there? Oh, uh, this this sixty year old woman uh, was looking in a rearview mirror, driving a um, a three wheeled scooter, and she hit, went went into the side of a parked car. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got a funny story. If real quick, it's a sidebar. It's just for amusement purposes only. I knew a woman. Who had to, and and one of the habits that she had, like in a parking lot or something, mm-hmm. is that she would look behind her in the uh, through the back window, right? Make sure there was nothing there, and then she'd put the car in the reverse and start looking forward, <laughs> and she's backing up. <laughs> and we've all seen people do that before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, while she was doing this one time in a parking lot. Across on the other uh, parking space, right across from her, there was another woman doing the exact same thing. Oh, my, oh my goodness. And they hit each other in the middle. <laughs> wow. They what are the odds of that, I wonder? <laughs> Actually, you know, depending on where you are, maybe not that high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. But anyway, the, the point is, is that, yes, we do create our own reality now. Uh, to to a point, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because there's everything else around us that's creating reality too. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to look at it what I call egocentric. Mm-hmm. We look at ourselves as individuals and then measure the universe around us based on we as the yardstick or the ruler. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're in a group of people, there's a whole bunch of free will human minds around you. All right. right. Yeah. And they're all competing for that same <laughs> yeah, uh, right. uh, that, yeah, that same moldable clay of physical reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Altogether too common. Yeah, I mean, I have a ViewSonic monitor on my desk. I can use it in a lot of different ways, but it was made by ViewSonic. Mm-hmm. I can't change that. You know, just by thinking about it in a different way, you know, I can't change you know my 1978 uh uh suburban you know into a 2019 maserati (laughs) just by thinking about it uh so there's limits to it Mm -hmm. um 
Anyway, here's the important thing. Now we've been talking around this subject Mm -hmm. and have covered a lot of different aspects of it. So we can get people thinking in this particular direction. What is the physical materialization of thought Mm. inside the brain? And we already know this scientifically. Right. Thought and emotions express themselves in electrochemical patterns. Mm -hmm. So much so that we can actually induce a thought by introducing specific electrochemical patterns into the brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this is your brain on LSD mm-hmm. uh, or, or something like that. We know that we can do that. Thomas, I have, a, I have a question maybe related to this. Sure. We were talking about the mind. Um, is it possible that we could... As, as human beings could, could heal ourselves or heal others? Quantum, quantum healing type thing? Well, when we say quantum healing, I know that's a convenient term. People throw quantum yeah, into just... a term uh, because there's a mishmash of things going on in the quantum realm and everything happens very weird mm-hmm. uh, compared to the macro world. So... Gee, that kind of looks like what I'm thinking about. So let's call them quantum this or quantum that. Yeah. Um, The reality is if we can change the physical reality around us by what we think, uh, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. Or or what we intend, which goes back to that that, uh, split photon thing. <clears throat> that we can't be around that kind of experimentation anymore because we may bias the movement of these particles or atoms. Mm-hmm. Or actually we're part of it. Oh, uh, even better. But now we're, we're well, I don't want to get too far into Yeah, it. I know. We're, we're right, I just wanted to touch yeah, on that. Because, you know, this is, this, this is what Dr. Stephen Rourke called the feathery realm. Right. I didn't where there's no parameters, it. there's no constraints. Mm-hmm. So somebody gets an idea and starts running off with their imagination and it could be a, you know, uh, it could be a, a, a Comic-Con mm-hmm. conversation, you know, <laughs> uh, where everything's going on at the same time. Uh, we, we have to constrain ourselves mm-hmm. just like the universe does. It constrains itself to certain ways. Uh, so, yes, but here's the thing, that in order to heal, mm-hmm. you got one of two things that has to take place. You have to be able to eliminate whatever is the malady mm-hmm. or the malady causing uh, physical mm-hmm. item whatever that is. You have to remove that. I mean, if somebody's poisoned, you would have to remove the poison. Right. You know, otherwise that person's going to die. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, somewhere there must be a blueprint or an image 
a collection of information that defines that poison. Otherwise, there would be no way to distinguish it from the rest of the body. Mm. It has an informational blueprint, a fingerprint, if you will. Mm. And that would have to be distinct from the rest of the body in order to remove it. Right. Uh, Another thing that would have to do is that if someone was uh, not whole in some way, Mm. you know, let's say they were missing a limb or something like that. To regenerate it, you would have to have the blueprint of that missing piece. Right. You know, I mean, if somebody had a brain tumor and you immediately made it disappear, well, they would have this vacuum in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they'd, they'd have an implosion of the brain. They would die from it. The blueprint of the normal tissue would also have to be able to exist somewhere. For it to be materialized in place of the tumor. Mm. Everything goes back to information, information, information. We start thinking about things in terms of information. It now becomes, did you see what we just did? We actually had a distinct, detailed, intelligent, (laughs) thoughtful, and meaningful conversation on the subject. Instead of saying, well, gee, I wave my hands like this and it feels like that and I see blue and I see red. <laughs> and then yeah. the person is healed. Well, that's great. But that doesn't tell us anything about what's happening. Right. You know, all it tells us is your personal experience mm-hmm. of what's happening. And everybody's could be different. Right. Everybody's got them, yeah. So this kind of conversation takes these subjects out of the feathery realm. Mm-hmm. and brings them into order and structure and constraint. Uh, and by constraint, go ahead. And that's why we like having you here, Thomas, because we, <laughs> we have intelligent conversations every each time you're here. Well, there we go. <laughs> Speak for yourselves, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, thought is electrochemical. All right? Mm-hmm. What is generating the electrochemical pattern? Right. Isn't it the brain? Yep. Now, how is the brain shaping that electrochemical pattern? Hmm. It's shaping it according to a collection of information. Right. I tell you, hey, man, you ought to see the juicy red delicious apple (laughs) that I ate today. It was about three and a half inches in diameter. Wow. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I took those words. That's a collection of information. You can take that information and envision it in your brain. Right. Yeah. I have. I've envisioned that apple as you've eaten it. Which is not appetizing to me at all. Well, Chip, the point is, whatever stage of the of the gestation of the apple, pre, you know, during or after or whatever, 
the idea is is that the information conveyed by my words was taken by your brain (laughs) and formed a mental image Mm -hmm. okay now that image is in the form of electrochemical patterns yes so now listen to this okay Here's where it goes on here. This is where it gets crazy. If you understand what I'm going to say, if you understand it, and your heart doesn't skip a beat or your hair doesn't stand up on, your, on, the, on the back of your head, you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. The universe, the process of creation brought the universe into existence by materializing a specific set of information. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it materialized into space-time. It materialized into atoms and molecules and, and all those kinds of things, gravity, all, all that. Mm-hmm. The human brain took that information about the apple and materialized it in electrochemical patterns. It did the same thing that the universe did when it came into being. Mm -hmm. This is a very, very new and different way of looking at things. But when you think about it, it's like, oh my goodness, how could it be anything else? The human being is a subsystem of the universe. The universe gave rise to it. Therefore, the the human being is designed according to a set of of information and principles that's built into the universe. It made something in its own image. Mm -hmm. It took the raw clay that was available and shaped it into what we are. Yeah. Because we work the same way. And what created our brains, the way that they're made, and our hands is the same set of information that in in in, that made the brain capable of taking that information and materializing it into a specific electrochemical pattern. Theoretically speaking, if we were able to identify that electrochemical pattern that was materialized from the image of the apple and place it in another human brain, that human brain would see the exact same apple. Mm-hmm. That's crazy but when you stop and think about it how else could it possibly be because if you didn't look at it that way you would have to look at everything as an isolated subject that this works this way and that works that way and you would never be able to unify anything Mm. so now Let's say, uh, okay, um, I need to pry a particular lid off of a particular container. And this time I'm going to show you a picture, a photograph of the container and the lid that's on it. Now, you take a look at that container And your brain will instantly create an electrochemical pattern that will have an image of that container. Mm -hmm. 
that'll create the image of the container. Now your brain creates information that didn't exist before. It's filling in the blank. Mm -hmm. And it formulates an object, a tool, that would open the lid in your imagination. Mm -hmm. Now, you have the image of that tool. Now, you can use your eyes and your feet and your opposable thumbs on your hand and actually tape matter and shape it according to the image of information that's in your brain that has been materialized in electrochemical patterns. So it becomes a physical reality inside your body. That you can then take your hands and shape into the same image Mm -hmm. that is in your brain. Thomas, uh, Eric has another comment. On, on uh, Facebook. <laughs> Not a question, a comment? Yeah. No, I this guess. guy's full of baloney. I'm, I'm, well, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, he says, this speaks to a thought that schizophrenic people are actually sane, but, do, but doing it in two different realities. Yeah, in a way. See, uh, yes. But here's the thing. And Eric, I agree with you, but I want to adjust a part of that statement. And that is this misnomer, this delusion, this erroneous thinking that what is inside of us is somehow different than what's outside of us. In other words, the information, the blueprint of reality is contiguous. It moves It moves through us. It's in us. It's out of us. It's outside of us. It's all through the universe. So it's not a different reality. Once that thought becomes an electrochemical constituent in your brain, it is part of physical reality. That's the whole idea. It's one of the things I'm leading to. Thoughts are things. Mm. When you think a a thing, you bring it into reality. What? The inside of your physical... Now you understand, guys, why I talk about the brain instead of the mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What? Your physical brain is somehow isolated from physical reality? Right. That your physical brain inside your skull... Is not part of physical reality and is not the electrochemical pattern in the brain part of physical reality? So when Eric said that they're actually sane, I think this is what he's alluding to. Right. I think he's getting what I'm talking about. So so there is power in thought. Oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. You know, uh uh <laughs> Look at the computers sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm, exactly. My goodness. There's power of thought and everything. Look at the face of the world, what mm-hmm. we've done to it. Mm-hmm. Look at that thing that's running around the Mars and taking photographs of it and sending that information back. Yep. We are the only creatures that transcend the environment and we 
make the environment evolve to fit us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's an image of the process that brought the universe into being. Mm-hmm. Because the universe took that, had that information and shaped its entire body according to its own image. We do the same thing. The animals can't do that. Right. We can take our surrounding environment and with information that we generate in our brain, we can shape it into our image after our own likeness. What does it say? Let us make man in our image. Yeah. After our own likeness. So now I've taken philosophy, parapsychology, medicine, physics, and Judeo-Christian religion and have blurred the lines between all of them to the point that you can't distinguish one from the other. <laughs> it's all the same. Yep. It's all one thing. Yep, yep. They've been looking for that for thousands of years. <laughs> it's the concept of materialized and materializing information that brings all of these things together. Mm-hmm. Thomas, you ready it, for a break? Uh, certainly. Okay, I think that'd be a good time to, good spot to stop. I was blinded by science. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if anybody else would like to uh, have a question or comment for Thomas, uh, you can do so on Facebook, chat, and we're uh, calling 724-602. 2826. And we'll be right back. Chip, is this mic kicking out again, man? I, I think so, yeah. That sounds like it to me. We'll be right back right after this. The Radio Network has a subscriber chat room for you, the listener. Come interact with your fellow listeners and like-minded people and talk about the shows in a safe environment. From the paranormal to conspiracies and anything else LNM related. All you have to do is go to the LNMRadioNetwork.com website and click the official chat page button at the top of the homepage. From there, you can sign up for the cost of a cup of coffee. If you're a late-nighter subscriber, the chat room is absolutely free with your subscription. Terms and conditions apply then click connect and you'll be able to log into the chat room we're here for you 24 hours a day seven days a week and the chat room is both for studio a and studio b we look forward to seeing you there so you love talk radio then you'll love talkstreamlive.com talkstream live is always on 24 7 with the best streaming talk shows find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones it's free readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier just go to talkstreamlive.com be sure to download the free apps from google play or the itunes app store This is Jason Bland, host of Paranormal Soup on Late Night in the Midlands Radio Network. And we're streaming as a webcast to our Facebook page, Midwest Paranormal Presents Paranormal Soup, where we have guests who will blow your mind. Live ghost box sessions where you can call in to see if the spirits will talk to you. And the World Wide Web of Weird, the latest in paranormal news and evidence. We're bringing the weird every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on the LNM Radio Network. Do you own a laser printer, copier, or a fax? Well then, listen close to this announcement. 
Laser Technologies has been providing high-quality, frustration-free toner cartridges that are guaranteed not to harm your equipment for over 20 years. Laser Technologies will save you on your supplies with high-quality and fast delivery. Savings up to 50%. Laser Technologies supplies toner, imaging drums, developer and cartridges for most of the major brands. For a price quote, send an email to service at laser-technologies.com. Include your printer make and model for your part number. Call us at 561-792-9600. That's 561-792-9600. Laser Technologies, providing 100% of the quality at a fraction of the price. 561-792-9600. How to know if you should reach out to a friend? Your friend might be worried, sad, grumpy, angry, stressed, weird, rebellious, anxious, antisocial, lonely, sleeping less, sleeping more, eating less, eating more. Look, there are a lot of things to watch out for, but you know your friend best. So if they're not acting themselves, why not say something? Find out how you can help a friend with their mental health at seizetheawkward.org. Somebody moving their microphone is what is where I'm break here. I'm getting a lot of static or feedback. Uh, no. I'm hearing a lot of uh, kind of almost like traffic noise or something. Yeah, like somebody's got a, a window open to the street or something. I have a window open to the street. I can close it if it's that if it's coming in that. Comment. It's coming real loud. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there. wind coming through. Yeah. Ah. Well, that was the idea. Okay. Now, see, isn't that funny that I listened to the sound and it drew an image in my brain? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. I, I've been materializing my emails uh, information. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. And then Electrochemically came up with the thought that I wish they'd try to sell me less stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, can you guys hear me now? Yes. I can hear you great, Tim. Clearly. Okay. I'm glad. So what were we talking <laughs> about before break? Oh, uh, thought, we were talking about... 
yeah, about how our brain actually uh, um, converts, uh, transforms information into physical reality. It first occurs in converting it into a electro an electrochemical pattern. Mm-hmm. So like I said, if you were able to take that same electrochemical pattern of the image of the apple, so to speak, and plant it inside of another human brain, they would see the apple too. Right. Uh, and then we use our hands, which is the way our imaging faculty can extend out into the outer space mm-hmm. of the physical world and form that image uh, with, with, it, with our hands, like the tool or, or you know, the computer is sitting on your desk, all <laughs> those kinds of things. <laughs> now, you heard me use that word imaging faculty. Right. <clears throat> I do not like the word imagination. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is that people associate with that term something that's not real. Right. Something that is imaginary, by definition, is not real. I strongly oppose that. Mm -hmm. I'm strongly in disagreement. Because the second you image something in your brain, it's real. Right. It's occurring in the physical universe. And it has a physical a physically observable and measurable. We have the equipment to observe and measure it today. Uh, Materialization in the physical world. Now, remember we were talking about paranormal? Mm -hmm. We were talking about the materialization of information like in an apparition. Or we could talk about, you know, uh, 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 disembodied voice where we have the materialization of information in the hard physical reality but no local physical source for that information all right guys i'm going to test your uh, i'm going to give you a quiz see if you've been following and you'll like the quiz it's fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, and people in the audience can play along, too. All right, we just, you know, reviewed real quick the idea of paranormal phenomena. Now, we've been talking about the human brain materializing information. But think about it for a moment. All the information that we've been talking about has been local. If you imagine it yourself, if you image it yourself, That's local to the electrochemical pattern. Mm -hmm. When I told you about the apple, you heard my voice. My words were conveyed electronically through all this equipment to your ears. And then your imaging faculty could create an image of the apple, which would materialize in an electrochemical pattern. Right. You're following me so far? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what would we call it if the information that enters the imaging faculty is not local? 
Chip? I'd say non-local. <laughs> oh man! Guess no, I no. that one. <laughs> that would be like you know what would we uh, what would we call this blue car that was made in '57? Oh, it's a blue. It's blue, man. Come on, dude. I've had my thumb in my mouth enough today. Man. Kick, kick that Red Bull into into operation. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a few guzzles here. All right. Now. Let's review. Let's 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 talk about it a minute. All right. Mm-hmm. I talked about paranormal materializations ah. as being something that is materialized with a non-local source okay. of information. So we'd call it paranormal then. Okay. But we're talking about a psychological phenomena. So what, what's the name for it? What do they call this? And depending on the type of information that's being materialized into an electrochemical pattern from the imaging faculty in the brain, we give it different names. Any one of them will do. Well, you can tell us the answer. You got a lot of dead air in the next couple of minutes. <laughs> okay. All well, right. Just smile and say we flunked that one. Well, uh, what would it be if you were seeing a blue? 57 Chevy that was there or that wasn't there it's not local okay uh hallucination okay what if what if that Chevy was real somewhere then it's uh part of a a time space informational reality well, yeah. What do we call that? In I don't know. Psychology. Can... It's called remote viewing. Oh, remote? Really? Okay. I see. I wouldn't wouldn't have thought of that, even if you gave me eight more clues. Do you? But see that makes sense. Yeah. No. I mean, now that you say it, it it. Mm-hmm. Do you see how that follows the exact same mechanism mm-hmm. that I've been talking about? Interesting. It's the exact same phenomenon as a paranormal materialization in a haunted site. So if three people see the same apparition at the same time, then they're collectively remote viewing. Hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. Because the apparition is local. Oh, okay. It's the information that's materializing the apparition that is not local. Right. So, I'm talking about information that is coming from a non-local source that is materializing in your brain as an electrochemical pattern. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Guys. Tim. Yeah. Chip. Yeah. No one's ever thought about it this way before, man. So, that's where remote viewing comes into play, then. 
if, no, because, well, they're not with the app person, but okay. If information materializes physical reality, mm-hmm. okay. That okay, is a collection of information that materializes that 57 Chevy. Right. Okay, my, my question with that regard is, and, and because I really like the taste of my thumb today, I will ask <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to me, when I think of remote viewing, I think of, uh, like, me purposefully trying to access information from an outside or non-local source. Yes, but if the source is is placing this information upon us, is that some sort of logos uh, remote viewing upon us? Part well, of the blueprint. We're talking about whether the '57 Chevy has intent. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what I would say is that it's the human <laughs> being that has the intent that's looking for. You know, what's parked right now? What's parked in Bill's driveway in the next? You know, in next town. Here's a guy's name. His name is Bill Lewis. <laughs> he lives in Toledo. What's parked in his parking lot right now in his driveway? 57 Chevy. It might be. I think he turned it into a 2019 Maserati. <laughs> but you see the point that I'm trying to make? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I do. But, uh, you know, it, it just... Because, look, I, I've read your book three times. And it, that's it, all. Yeah, so I know I could do that, but, but it just seems to me the explanations in the book are a little different than where you're going now. Well, that's because what I'm doing is expanding upon it. Okay, right. you know, uh, yeah, that's why there's that's it, why there needs to be a book too. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I published in November of 2011. And then I was on over 500 radio interviews since. Right. When you get to talk, it's one thing to sit in your own room by yourself mm-hmm. where you really have nobody to talk to about it and put this thing together. It's another thing to talk about it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, you come up with different ideas or better ideas or ideas that are more developed, really. Because the, the, the fundamentals of this are in that book right but i'm talking about something where it's been developed you know into something bigger uh, broader yeah and plus the fact is that some when you're writing a book at some point in time you have to pull the trigger right because if i was waiting to perfect everything i'd still be writing a stupid thing it'd probably be sit on you know the book will probably be twenty inches tall when it's published. Yeah, but there's other there's other ideas that you know. Yeah, stem, the other you're bringing from, about that yeah, yeah have us both quiet, and book. that's very hard to do. It's very hard to shut both of us up. Bro. <laughs> uh, okay, guys. I, can I ask you a question quickly though, based on what you've been saying? Yeah. To try to wrap my head further around this because it is new information uh-huh. uh, that that has materialized. Yes. <laughs> When we're t- talking about remote viewing, and you're you're talking about how you can speak words to me to plant an image of an apple in my head, yeah, uh, that makes basically thought as valid an energy as other energy. So it it well, begs it's the electrochemical, question, it's an electrochemical right, materialization, which would require consciousness in order to manufacture in the first place. Yes. So my question is. Your thoughts of consciousness as an energy form. 
Well, when we're talking about energy, it I'm going be. to look at it from a physical standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, this is one thing that's bad about the spiritualist. The I know, spiritualist but look, it takes health. an electrochemical process to and and consciousness to have these images pass from one brain to the other. Right. And, uh, share uh, or co-create this reality. Right. So, so you would and, first have to define what energy is. And see, I'm using a conventional understanding of the term energy. But electrochemical is energy, right? Uh, well, neurochemical is energy. It's a uh, synapses yes. in the brain is but energy. But it is it is chemical it is energy and mass. Because the chemicals are mass. Yeah. And don't get me started on the thing that all thing is just uh, everything's just energy. <laughs> I wasn't going there, but I'm, I'm trying to get a fuller but picture of this because at this remote viewing is a non-local thought. The it's, information is coming from a non-local source. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. There is no physical connection between your brain and the 57 Chevy in Bill Lewis's driveway in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not so, physical. So that's just like no the apparition of the lady that's a hundred years old. The information came non-physically because her body has rotted away. The right. physical source of the information is no longer on the earth. So it manifests from nothing, or, it or materializes from. It materializes nothing. from a non-local source. Okay. And non-local. what is non-local yeah. to the universe is the quantum singularity that's still unfolding. It's mm-hmm. the super geometric, non-physical aspect of reality. Well, briefly, can I ask you this? And this is my sure. last question because, you know, I, I was enjoying sitting and listening to you, but but now you've got my goat here. I, I, asked, you, you, I asked a question. Yes, when you, See, I'm when interviewing you, the darn hosts. <laughs> but, Fire when, this guy. Yeah, right. He's but, unmanageable. When, when you talk about uh, super geometric theory, mm-hmm. uh, my question is to help paint a picture for the listeners. You know, uh, and knowing kind of the full form of it, having read your book three times, mm-hmm. there is something outside of, let's say, uh, energy and matter. That is uh, makes this f- fulfills this picture of super geometry. Yes, because the information. Think about it. At the Big Bang, the information from which mass and energy was formed, non-local, it was non-local. It existed in a non-physical form before the universe came into being. It's a non-local becoming. It's a non-local becoming physical. Yes. It's non-local because it was not local to the physical because there was no physical. Okay. But if we're like our creator, uh, then why can't we have these non-local things too as thought forms like our uh, consciousness, the energy of consciousness? Well, again, you're talking about energy, and and it's like, yeah, but, but it's non-locality. And if the universe was created using non-local information to create local information, then why can't we do the same thing 
if we're an image of our creator. We do. We've been just talking about that. I know, but to me that makes consciousness an, an energy form because it is something non-local that creates things. No, because energy is physical. But supergeometry allows for this. But, but back to my main question. The though, mechanism operates above what is physical. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and that's energy, really the question I'm getting to. What's, what is energy, above the energy, the energy, yeah, The energy is physical. Yes. And from an so that's why when people talk about spirit energy, it makes me crazy. Yeah, because it's physical. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it yeah. Energy it, itself it's, is physical. Yeah, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> you know, so here's the thing. And, and, and Chip, the kind of thinking that you're talking about is what has kept that entire discipline and field of thought mm-hmm. in chains. It has kept it in prison and it's has like- kept it isolated from science. Because it thinks of things in ways that are just, it expresses things in a way that are scientifically impossible, unmeaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so when you're thinking of thought energy, what is that? You know, in terms of what energy is, energy is physical. Energy propagates by frequency and amplitude. Frequency is time. Amplitude is spatial. Mm-hmm. Space-time, it's physical. You go above space-time, you can't have energy. Right. Because you don't have the dimensions necessary in which to <clears throat> express energy. Energy must be expressed upon the, upon the grid work of space-time. It can't exist independently of it. And this is why we're so backward in our thinking in that area. Because we think of things in feathery realm ways. Thomas, is this this something that we could also continue in in another Wednesday? Sure. Because we're we're just touching the edges of, of, of this and that if we can continue this that'd be good as we always are I mean I've been on four hour interviews and it just yeah you know and and the host at the end uh, just said we've just we've just scratched the surface yeah uh, because Tim chip audience we are talking about a theory of everything yeah we could hours. talk about it from here to doomsday. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, here, let, let me take this a step further. Now, what if the information that you receive in your imaging faculty and can convert, your brain converts to an electrochemical pattern so that it becomes thought? What if that information is coming from another human brain. Good. Remote. Mm-hmm. What do we call that? We call it telepathy. Mm-hmm. 
you could take every parapsychological phenomenon and understand it in this model. Right. Understand the basic mechanics of what's going on. Because it explains yeah. everything. Yes. That everything works and functions according to the mechanics that were set in place at the beginning of the universe when non-physical, pre-physical information materialized and continues to materialize in the physical reality. And our brains somehow are made in the image of that mechanism, mm -hmm. of that primordial mechanism, because our brains in a microcosm, very tiny way, do the exact same things that creation did when it brought the universe into being. Mm -hmm. And of course, we go back to the Bible with that and say, let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Let him have dominion over the world. Yep. You see? Yep. The power of we, three. We, we, we've brought this all into an area where we can talk about science, talk about parapsychology, talk about paranormal, talk about faith-based religion. And the lines are blurred. We can't even distinguish between them anymore. Right. They're all the one thing. This is the theory of supergeometry. This is what supergeometry does that was never done before. Mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, a, a parapsychological event is a paranormal event. Mm -hmm. It follows the same mechanism. It follows the same pattern. Yeah. So, telepathy, you know, there's no energy wave that's a carrier for that information. You know, how many times have you said, gee, you know, I know something's happening with another person. Or, you know, someone gets an impression that, gee, somebody's in trouble. Somebody just died. Right. Something happened, and it turns out to be true. Well, that information wasn't conveyed to your brain by some sort of a radio wave. Yep. You know, uh, certain tests that have been done in Faraday cages would eliminate that. Because the Faraday cage would eliminate electromagnetism as a carrier source. All right. Well, Chip, you got anything to say, bud? Oh, I'm I'm just listening. I'm I'm listening and learning. Yeah. This is, gives us a. In other words, I could sit down and speak to a scientifically trained person mm -hmm. about these phenomenon, these phenomena, and whether they agreed in their ex its existence or not could formulate a reasonable mechanism in their mind for such 
a, a, a function to exist. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, it could exist this way. You know, uh, now aren't entangled particles, entangled photons? Don't they do the same thing? Right. Do. Doesn't particle A of the entangled pair convey information to a particle B mm-hmm. of the entangled pair instantaneously, regardless to the space that separates them? Right. That the information moves from particle A to particle B at what we would call infinite velocity, which means it's all places in the universe at the same coordinate in time. The information in particle A is at the very stretches of the outer rim of the universe at the same coordinate in time, everywhere. Yeah. That's infinite velocity. Thomas, Eric, I uh, had another comment. He said, okay. if, uh, if three psychics... This guy's saw, really full of baloney now. <laughs> yeah. if, if three psychics saw the same vision, it would be from a non-local source. Well, if it was psychic phenomenon, yeah. All right. As what we would call, you guys know, I don't like Parapsychological, that. Parapsychological. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if it was a psychic phenomenon, all that would be necessary is for one person to see it. Mm-hmm. And if it was conf- if it was validated from that non-local source, in other words, somebody could could validate, verify. Right. Yes. You know. There is a blue 57 Chevy parked in blue in Bill Lewis's driveway in Toledo. Mm-hmm. And you just saw it. Uh, then you'd only need one brain to it, image it, to yeah. imagine it. He says, he says, raise his hand would be, uh, would a brain be better named electro, electrochemical network? Well, the, the brain embodies an electrochemical network. Mm-hmm. There is also mass involved as well. Right. The cells actually have in their structures actually massive. It, it has mass. So every fundamental element from which the universe, the physical universe is assembled is also present in the brain. Mm-hmm. It's just organized in a very specific way. Right. Yeah. Something shaped it mm-hmm. into its own image. Have we so got, this is how, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Thomas. This is how all this ties together. Mm-hmm. If you take that one pinnacle concept, that capstone, that the universe is an expression of materialized and materializing information, all this stuff can get sucked up underneath of it. And it is the common denominator which connects everything in reality together. Right. Chip, you got something to say? We got about like five minutes left, bud. Oh, I just want to remind the listeners, uh, our honored guest, Thomas Fusco, has his book, Behind the Cosmic Veil, uh, much of which in the book we have been talking about and expanding upon, uh, materializing information there, uh, cosmicveil.com for the book, Behind the Cosmic Veil, from Thomas Fusco. You can also find it on Amazon, but if you go to cosmicveil.com, 
you can get the book on sale. Uh, always a good thing. Um, Thomas, would you like to come back uh, December 12th? December 12th is a Wednesday? Wednesday yes. Yeah, uh, two weeks, I think. Yeah. Certainly. Okay. Hey, you know me. I'm a glutton for punishment, man. <laughs> I, I just... <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. So we got about four minutes left. Is is there anything you get any either one of you want to say in closing? Well, I'll I'll go to Thomas on that one. Thomas. Well, what what we're describing not only gives us an idea of the way that everything works on a very fundamental level. And that it all works fundamentally the same way. Mm-hmm. But it tends not to isolate us as human beings. It tends to make us understand that we are a component of a very great and vast machine that's all built according to the same design. And that we are an integral part of that greater machine. And every human being has this capability in them. If, if they lose hope, if they don't see a purpose for their life, the very fact that they are a human being has value and meaning because of what we can do. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, sounds good to me. Wow, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, continuing this on a 12th, Thomas. Yeah, it's going to feel like a forever to get there. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Hey, write notes. Put down notes. Write, write questions. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it helps. You know, uh, uh, it, it does help. Yeah. yeah. It helps. Well, it you know, in, in a couple of weeks, because I've been trying to get to the the point where, I mean, you have a, a whole uh, spectrum of things above the material uh, parts of the universe and the, that I really wanted to get to that helps really explain the super geometry of things. So, you know, that'll, that'll be tied into my questions for you in a couple of weeks, brother. Sounds great, man. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Watch Forbidden Planet. Okay. Yeah, I've got a couple of weeks to do that. Yeah, you've been uh, talking about that film for a long time. So, did, did yeah. Krell build a machine based on these principles? Mm-hmm. Not talked about in the book or, or in the movie, but what the machine does. Yeah. Ultimately, what we're talking about is this. There is a way that we can technologically exploit that can cause our thoughts to spontaneously materialize in the physical reality. Right. And uh, and on that note, I think it's time for us to go because we got to give this over to Michael Vera for. Um, oh, the uh, great Michael Vera! Yeah, Michael for, for the late <laughs> night in the Midlands radio show. So we got to get we got to get going here. But um, next week, uh, Tuesday, five to seven p.m. Eastern, right here on the LNM Radio Network, we have Rocky Crogfoss. We're going to talk about healing and how our minds. Are, are powerful that we can heal each other and heal others and maybe even possibly heal ourselves. 
So that's going to be, be interesting to see what Rocky has to say or his take on it. Absolutely. So. Thomas, it was great talking to you and uh, looking forward to talking with you on the 12th. Chip, uh, go ahead and take us out and uh, if you have any final comments. Hi, no, just want to thank all the listeners for hanging in with us tonight here on Supernatural Realm with the great Tim Roxbury hosting. This is Chip Reichenthal, your co-host, and our phenomenal guest, Thomas Fusco. Cosmicveil.com is the site to find the book, Behind the Cosmic Veil. We strongly urge you to do that. A phenomenal book. Uh, makes for a great holiday gift, I'll, I'll just say. And uh, thank you all for listening. We love you all. We'll see you Tuesday, 5 to 7 p.m. right here on lnmradionetwork.com and Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. also on the Supernatural Realm. Good night, everybody. We love you. Thank you for listening. Good night, everybody. Have a great weekend. Up next, late night in the middle of the radio show with Michael Barrow on the LNM Radio Network.